With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a rainy and kind of crappy day in Fishtown, but this is the most important week in Philadelphia Union history, I believe. Well, it can't be because I'm here. We're going to ask my guest, Mr. Uh, John Tannenwald is back in Fishtown. Welcome back to Fishtown. Right, yeah, this is my once per year appearance on the show. Well, the once per year, your once per year visit uh, to Fishtown. Do you visit Fishtown when you're not doing I, the, the Always Soccer podcast? I go to the La Colombe to buy baguettes because I'm a hipster snob. <laughs> Um, and I, used, there, you know, I, stop, I shop at the Acme every once in a while, but now that I live in Center City, I go down to the Acme at 12th and Wharton or whatever it is, and okay. that's perfectly good. Okay. So. Well, you are uh, a true hipster, and welcome back in I am uh, not. to the Kincaid Studios here in uh, Fishtown. John Tannenwald from Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly.com. So I will, I will pose what, what I just said to you as a question. Uh, is this the biggest week in franchise history? No, believe it or not. Uh, I don't think it's quite as big as 2011 going into what was the first home playoff game mm-hmm. in team history. I still don't think they've reached that high. It's up there. Yeah. It's certainly, um, in terms of accomplishment achieved, it, hi, Baxter. Hey, ba- Baxter, Baxter is, is here too. Yeah, Baxter, Baxter is this the most yeah. uh, is this the most important week in Philadelphia <laughs> Union history? Baxter is also here. I forgot to introduce him. He's uh, sniffing the microphone. Right Baxter now. abstains. Yeah. Um, no. Well, I think I think it is it is very big in terms of accomplishment done, mm-hmm. because I don't think anybody expected them to beat Seattle and Kansas City in the first place, much less after face planting against Montreal the way they correct, did. correct. So that's enormous. Mm-hmm. And then to beat Kansas City, the best team in the West with nine of your 11 starters off the field Mm -hmm. is immense and to look pretty good doing it and to, I mean, look, where was Kansas city's pressure? I don't know what they were doing. Do you think they, they walked into this thinking they were going to get an easy win because they're looking at no Madunian and no Bedoya, no Burke, no anybody. I mean, it, it seemed to me like they do what a lot of teams do when they come to, talent and if you half-ass it in talent and you're not ready to play and if you're not you know prepared for it then you're gonna lose you know I mean I don't know how many times we've seen that in the past where teams just don't have it um like the win I think thinking about the win against New York City FC not long ago um where the union are gonna bite you if you don't take it seriously and if you if if you walk in here thinking you're gonna get three easy points it's it's not that way and everybody face plants in this league sooner or later yeah but it's you know it it look it's great and it is great for Jay Simpson, who's taken a lot of. Crap. How about Jay Simpson, man? Did you think that you would be talking about Jay Simpson with me on what is it, September twenty fifth, uh, twenty eighteen? Uh, Jay Simpson coming off a brace. I thought I'd be. I thought I'd be talking about Catchbird Chabilko. <laughs> yeah, I thought he might. You know, I thought he might Jay play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. look, the guy, and not only the brace, but he he you know he he sprung the goal. That Picot scored in Seattle too, at like thirty seconds yeah. after coming on as a substitute. Correct. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody saw that at twelve forty-five later than that. at after night on one, the East I Coast. Think. Yeah. Uh, the guy is a hard worker, a mm-hmm. classy guy. He knows he's getting paid a lot of money, and he had it on his shoulders. You know, in terms of pressure and expectations and all that, because of it, mm-hmm. he comes to work. And uh, puts the puts the time in, and as Jim Curtin said, he got beaten last year by C.J. Sapong when nobody expected that, and this year he got beat by Corey Burke. Well, I was fascinated with the quote um, that Jim gave you at the end of that game because it just <laughs> it's like I I appreciate Jim for putting it on his shoulders and saying if you want to if you want to blame somebody, blame me for not playing him. Uh, of course, then it begs the question, then why did you not play him? Because I know he made that the you... decision that he got out. Look, 
I know that you agree. You have agreed with me on CJ for years now. Um, as far as I see, like trying to hold I'm back, grinning from ear to ear. At the well, moment. let me. But let's let's take it. Let's, so let's go back and and add some context to it. 2017, beginning of the season, they signed Jay Simpson. Jay Simpson starts the opener in Vancouver. Okay, CJ Sapong comes off the bench. So they tried to upgrade from CJ then you know they did not see him as their starting striker and going into 2017 they spent $500,000 on Jay Simpson they spent a roll of pennies on Jay Simpson so I mean look it's money but it still wasn't enough and I think they knew it at the time right but here's the thing now he goes out and he scores the second game against Toronto bruises his lung you know does the most Philly thing ever you know injuring yourself putting your body on the line to score a goal right we love that we're carrying our lunch pail rah rah you know he can be Aaron Rowan or uh, you know, some Philadelphia flyer who punched some guy in the face. It was the ultimate blue-collar, cliche Philly goal, right? And then he comes out of the lineup because he's injured. CJ comes in and gets hot, and they can't take him out. I get it, you know? This year, though, you know, Jim sticks with CJ over and over and over and over again. And then when he moves him to the wing and Corey Burke starts scoring goals, he says, well, I think it's a joke when people criticize CJ Sapong. And then he comes back out the other day and says, well, don't criticize Jay Simpson criticized me for not playing him. Okay, so let me address. Let me address. <laughs> so where do let we? Me, where let me we... address Sapong first, because with Sapong, um... this is going to be the most negative part of the podcast. Um, by the way, we'll get we'll we'll get into the yeah. positive stuff later. It's a little bit of a charade with Sapong, in this regard, and it would be the case with anybody I think who was in that position. Sapong's confidence is Sapong is not. Um, Who, who's the example here? Sapong is not Keith Primo. <laughs> Sapong is not... Um, who's the dude that would... Keith Primo. No, no. Who's the dude who would... Dan- Carcillo. That's who I'm thinking of. Daniel Carcillo. Sapong is not Daniel Carcillo. <laughs> who's just like, the hell with it. I'm just going to, you know, go full steam. Yeah. He's got... He's a little... He's, I, he's philosophical is what I like to call him because that's the way he comes We've across. talked about that. And is it, yeah. He's, he's yeah. not... Um, he's not a killer, right? I don't, he's not, and he's not a ruthless guy. Mm -hmm. He's talented, but he doesn't quite have all of the mental fortitude. You want to see a little bit of nastiness. You want to see a mean, and I'm a, I'm a guy who values skill Mm -hmm. over hustle, but I want to see a little bit of hustle. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the things that annoy me. have always annoyed me about CJ Sapong are when the cross comes in and he sort of half jumps for it. Mm-hmm. Or when he's ahead of the play, he gets the ball with his back to the goal, 30 yards out, and he passes it back to Harris Medunian and instead of turning off the guy's shoulder and going. Right. And when right. Corey Burke gets the ball, he turns off the guy's shoulder and goes. He's got a nose for goal. Right. He's looking well, forward, you know. That's, you know, that's what you need in a striker. Mm-hmm. And Burke has showed it. And Burke's got a little more size and a little more physicality mm-hmm. than Simpson does, which is why he... Well, he fits. The the, yeah, I mean, he fits the system more yes. than it, if because you, right. you know as well as I do that Jim loves his big six foot three center forward who can you know play a target role and hold the ball up and stuff like that. Which then goes back in this whole circular thing of why did they sign Jay Simpson in the first place if you knew he was never a fit for the system and they because were never going to play I, four, no, four, I don't four, think four, they two, knew. I don't think they knew that necessarily. I think you could play a four two three one with a Hercules Gomez style striker, which is what mm-hmm. I think Jay Simpson is. A yeah. little smaller, but quick, instinctive, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if it's set up right. Right. I think you can do right. that. But they were cheap. Well, now, God forbid, you see Corey Burke playing striker and CJ starting on the wing now when so you I, could have had I Jay have, Simpson playing striker have, and CJ yeah, playing on no, the wing. No, 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 no. But it's well, not, it just, it goes back to, I, I appreciate the quote from Jim. I get what he's trying to say, but then it just goes back into that whole big thing. Of he's what, working you know? for his players in that regard. Well, of course. Plain and simple. Course. And that's part of his job. And yeah. it's why the players like him so much. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, he's not the world's greatest tactician. He's not Greg Berhalter. He's not uh, Tata Martino, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But he's got that locker room 100% and that counts for something. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, you know, people say, what's the biggest thing why this team has, has turned it around it's just that they sort of you know something clicked where they just understood like this is what we are you know we have pretty good midfield players who can possess the ball and keep it on the ground we're going to try to play yeah. the way that, that you know, we're going to try to play this way on the road I mean he's he's gotten more out of this group um at this point than I, than I think I anybody think, probably thought I he think was a couple get, things you know? have happened 
Um, I'm going to take what I was going to say first. I'm going to say second because we're going to go off on that for a long time because mm-hmm. I disagree with that. Okay. The first is, as strange as, as as strange as this may sound, I think Jim Curtin felt a little more, a little like the, one or two shackles were off him when Ernie Stewart left. Uh-huh. Which is not, I don't necessarily want this to come across as a criticism of Stewart per se. Because I do think he did a lot of good things with the union that nobody will ever see tangible results about until Austin Trustees on the senior U.S. national team. Mm-hmm. And I think they came close to him getting there with the Bolivia game in late May. And if that had happened, then you're not walking out of here saying Ernie Stewart hasn't done anything tangible because he would have. Well, and the, and the Doge call sign looks better and better. Right. But the, mm-hmm. the, a lot of the people forget how much of a shit show the union Hit the button. <laughs> no, no, no. You could, you're allowed to okay. say that here. Yeah. People forget Does, how is much. Is that of a, against your personal no, code or something? Okay. You know, it's going to get you a, a, <laughs> an explicit rating no, on had, iTunes. I want, had, don't want to do that. We've too. had that little E show up on okay. iTunes for like the last 10 uh, episodes. So. Beep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, people forget how much of a shit show it was when Nick Sakevich was it, finally gotten rid yeah, of yeah, and what Ernie yeah. Stewart had to do to clean the place up. Mm-hmm. And the biggest manifestation of that was raising standards with the senior team and with the academy. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that in the guys who are coming through. And Ernst Tanner is obviously here to continue that, and I'm pretty sure he will because I think he's pretty good. Yep. But with the senior team, Ernie Stewart, being of the Dutch school of tactics, believed in a very rigid 4-2-3-1. And in defining... Defining roles within that system and going out and getting players who fit that system. Mm-hmm. You can fit a system to your players. You can put players to the system. Ernie Stewart is a fit players to the system type. And he would say, we need to go out and get this kind of guy and this kind of guy and this kind of guy. And he'd go to Jay Sugarman and he said, you can have five cents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very That's why they ended up with Jay Simpson. And then yeah. that really blew up in their face enough that I think Jay realized, okay, I... He got caught. They really had to go spend some money. Well, and it also handcuffed them into an extension for CJ. Um, oh, I think CJ and, and earned that. that. Well, I, he I, did. He did, but I, I don't know if he earned it. But then he got paid, and that was he got paid. Well, and which and, happens to people sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but I mean, then what? What's the, the funny thing is like, what's the role that you're looking for? And then, and this is for, for another podcast for another time. But with with David Akam and CJ Sapong, are they your wingers next year? Does Il Senior come? I, you know, I, now, I don't now get. Creates... I don't get what happened. I just flat out don't get what happened to Akam. Yeah, I don't, because I don't he's either. he is. I know he has played poorly with the union. He's really good. He's been really good in MLS for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just it blow it amazes me that. He had so many problems this year because he really is a better player than that. So, but I, I, what, my, my, my concluding point with this is I don't think that in Ernie's system, mm-hmm. CJ Sapong would have played the wing. Yeah, I don't I mean, think I it's necessarily it, yeah. a coincidence. Yeah, entire I, whether or not you know I can't speak for anybody in the organization because I don't know, but. Well, would they, Jim have gone to Ernie and said, hey, what about this? I'm not sure he would have. But it, <laughs> uh, because it doesn't quite fit the idea of pure wingers as your wingers. Right. And right. I think I think that it, it's a, it was a little tweak, but I think Jim felt like he could experiment a little bit um, after Ernie left, and he tried it, and it worked. Yeah, maybe he's like, well, I got to go for it now, you know, because I don't know what my future is under Ernst Tanner, you know? He's all, he's you know, his contract mm. was expiring. He's expiring this year no matter what and i think as soon as he got wind of the idea that stewart might leave yeah it's like you know what well, he's got nothing to lose yeah he's got he's got nothing to lose that's for sure um i'll tell you, you know, to, yeah. well, let, well let me bring it back yeah. to the to the game um did you did you agree with that 11 that he put out there i i said of course i wouldn't have played doge call but i get i get it that he's coming back from an ankle and you want to have him at least in some kind of form i'm, I'm i would have rather i i would have rather done what what Curtin ended up doing, which is not have him go to Seattle. Yeah. Run around yeah. for a little bit in Kansas and home. Loosen up the ankle, get 45 minutes or whatever 55, it was. 55, 55. And then he's, he's not totally rusty coming right. into the Houston game. Right. The only, the only thing I didn't, I didn't agree with. I, I get that now and I understand why he did it. Um, 
maybe you could have flipped it so that he was on the field at the same time as Bedoya, but I understand you don't really have much else to, to go to there. And I think, Austin I think Trusty, that's Austin, the one that I wonder. Trusty's the one that I wonder about. Trusty get 90 minutes. I mean, what if you get to extra time? Um, you know, you're in minute 104 or something like that, and I, he's, he's going I, on a, another full 90 for the I, second time. And, I, I asked him. I know nobody reads the Inquirer anymore, including the two of us, but um, – <laughs> no, I do. But, you know, it's <laughs> – I don't get it delivered at home because I get it in the office, you know. Or I just, well, I'd hope you would read your read own. I do read my own publication on your on, to, on your own whatever format. Here you we would go. Like so it. I asked Jim about that yesterday because if about he goes, trust trust legs. Yeah. Um, and Jim signaled fairly clearly that he's probably not going to play in Columbus. Uh, well, I would hope he'll not. Get, yeah. He'll get that game off. Yeah. Says, Jim said we have a good idea of where Austin stands, the load he can handle, and he hasn't shown any negative signs. He's become a player I can't take off the field with his performances. As long as the body continues to perform well physically, the data tells us what it tells us. Our eyeballs still tell us what they tell us. He's a guy that I believe can handle this load. I mean, he's 20 years old. So yeah, okay. you f- I've, I've felt indestructible when I was 20 years old. I could, go out and, I could go out and get hammered yeah. on a Saturday night in Morgantown and then go he's, play basketball. He's playing really day. well you know. right now. I think he played exceptionally against both yeah. Seattle and Kansas City. Yeah. And look, if he stays home a little bit against Houston and McKenzie does a little more of the running, okay. So wait, is Austin did Austin play in a game last year? No. Or no. So isn't no. he eligible is he eligible for rookie of the year? Because I can't I why why can't I not think of who else is I, McKenzie, I think, is more eligible. Because Trusty was on, Trusty was on the, the roster, roster, but never played. But never played. So technically, he's not eligible. I, I don't award. think he is. Is this like a Ben but, Simmons and Donovan Mitchell thing, well, where the one guy was uh, like Baxter? Baxter, <laughs> Baxter, come on, man. Um, Baxter it, thinks that Austin Trusty should be the rookie of the yeah, year. Yeah, that was the most. That was the most thing he did all day. Yeah. Um, I think that I would actually, to be perfectly honest with you, I would nominate Mark McKenzie over Austin Trusty anyway. No. Based on what? Based on being, frankly, I don't think either of them would win it this year, regardless. So who's winning it again? Um, I don't know. I, can't. I don't know. <laughs> there aren't any great. Here's my thing with McKenzie. I know he was hurt for a while. Mm-hmm. Trusty has been a known quantity. Yeah. For a lot of people since he was 17 years old. Okay. McKenzie has been a known quantity for some of the real insiders but was not expected to be this good this year. That's true. That's true. Although I don't, I don't know who, who, you know, who, if anybody thought that trusty would be a start every single, Oh, start every I single know. game kind of I person. Think some people did. Um, well, who in the, who in the, who in the greater, like MLS non Philadelphia community expected to see, Austin well, Trusty play every single every single minute. Maybe of not every, even though there was a precedent of like Keegan Rosenberg maybe playing not, every okay, single maybe minute. Maybe not every minute of every single game, but still, this is a guy who played in the under seventeen World Cup for the United States, an under twenty World Cup for the United States. Mm-hmm. He's been known and prepared for this for a long time, so his success is not a surprise. I don't think to anybody. Yeah. Well, that's uh, true. People who are going to be, who are rookies this year. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like Corey Baird and Aaron Herrera uh, in Salt Lake. Hmm. JT Marcinkowski in San Jose. Ken Kralitschke in Montreal. Uh, who else? It's not an amazing group, is it? Well, even Lance. Mo Adams in Chicago. Uh, He'll get some consideration. I mean, last year you had Gressel and. Jack Elliott and yeah. Mark, some... officially according to the league, Mark McKenzie is the only one from the union who qualifies. Okay, so this is Trusty like does a... not qualify because he was on the senior roster. Okay, so this year. is a, a they a... chose to and, 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 it's true. In fact, they chose to not play him last year. Uh, true. At the end true. of the day, yeah, yeah. So, so, but technically, that was his rookie year. Yeah. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So here's, holy hell, sorry. So if they get so listen, this is what's at stake for this week. So winning the other fir- soccer news just happened that Win- was not irrelevant to the union but oh, okay attention. All right. well you're gonna tweet that out while I do this point uh, go ahead here's what's at stake for this for this week they can win their first trophy in franchise history they can get the bonus US Open Cup money they can qualify for the Champions League 
they can eclipse the 2011 team for most points uh, in a single season for a team, and they can get to 15 wins, which is already, they already have the record at 14. Uh, it's just like stunning to, to, to me how, how bad this team was uh, in the beginning of the year. How offensively they looked just so bland in front of goal. The midfield was not clicking. Um, they just looked totally out of sorts. The defense was was better than anticipated. McKenzie was making some mistakes here and there, stuff that you expected. Um, it's like I, I can't come up with the word for it, man. It's like flabbergasting to me. It's like everything about this this Union season continues to defy everything that we know about them they come out and lose four to one to montreal they go to seattle and beat seattle and then they beat kansas city at home and now like i don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here but the union are on 46 columbus is on 47 and new york city is on 50 points so it, we're, we're sitting here talking about a team that was was dead and buried a couple months ago ernie's walking out the door ernst tanner comes in nobody knows anything about jim Curtin's future and depending on what happens by the end of the week, they could be challenging for third place. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say like, "Oh, we're going to jinx it" or whatever the hell, because every time, every every time you say, "Yeah," but every time we said we're going to jinx something this well, year, I mean, look what they do. It's not I, they still the burden of proof is on them to win, to win the Open Cup final. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I mean, are they the favorite in this game? I just can't call them the favorite in Houston. But they've been good. They've been good. I on know, their own. but I just, I just. <laughs> can't for some reason or is this do you feel like because they because they went out and beat seattle and they beat kansas city home like now this is going to be the letdown well like are we maybe, up for the I mean, strangest this Houston team has some pedigree i mean they have as long as they have this at least in kyoto they're portland not, timbers out of the playoffs in portland I, not all that long ago. i know i know that's what that's what makes it seem weird to me because i got people like asking me this week they're saying like well how do you feel like are you concerned or whatever i'm like i you know on paper they should beat that team um, but then I look down at the roster. I see Elise. I see Kyoto. I see they're playing in Houston. Uh, you know, I see how Union teams in 2014 and, and 2015 that weren't amazing and weren't playoff squads were very competitive in the Open Cup, in the Open Cup finals. So I, I honestly, like the honest answer to that question is, I have no idea. I have no idea either. I have I really no clue. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie and tell you I've watched a ton of Houston this year, but. You know, obviously they had the overturn red card when they played down there the first time. I, I don't. I still think that you that gives you some confidence saying that no matter what the circumstances were, you say, well, we've we won here earlier this year, so that does something for you you mentally, and you say, all right, we we know we can we can do we can get the job done here. We're not we're not afraid. That's of this a bit. Team. That's not, a big help. Yeah, we're not we're not walking into it thinking like, oh crap. You know, imagine if they were going to LAFC for example. Right where they got trounced earlier in the year. So I think that, that those semantics play into it a lot. Um, but I just think, like like you and I, you know just as well as I do, you have been doing this for probably longer than me at this point, trying to, you know, get this, this team some, you know, help grow some interest in this team, you know, fight the internal battles in the, in the media when we shouldn't. world. And, like, you, you realize that people – you know, now what we'll be able to say and the, the story that we'll be able to tell if they win this on Wednesday is that they have a trophy. Well, and we're going to be telling people any, why it's they're playing. It's not just any trophies. Like, they didn't, okay, they didn't win the championship. No, but they won. This is something, and I've written about this a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. This is the same U.S. Open Cup that the Ukrainian Nationals won in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. This is the same U.S. Open Cup that Bethlehem Steel won. A history which the Union have not always paid attention to, by the way, and really embraced. Yeah. They've done the stuff with Bethlehem Steel, but they've never really done all that much with the Ukrainian Nationals. Even that's though that's the Philadelphia team that won the thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the United German Hungarians, before before the Union made the final in 2014, I believe the United German Hungarians from Oakford yeah. were the last Philadelphia area team to make the final, which was back in the 90s. And that venue in Oakford, their U.S. national teams have played there in played there in the '90s before they got picked. Well, modern day and in a macro sense, you know, we we matters. can now we can now we would be able to tell people theoretically that the Union have won a trophy. The Flyers have not won something since the '70s. The Sixers have not won something since the '80s. 
And but I, I, don't need, I, get I don't the need sense. to tell people that. I need, and I'm, I'm weird in this regard. So what do you want to tell? I, I mean, want to tell the soccer fans in Philadelphia. But is that not a gateway to get the casual four for four dude to start paying attention? If you can say, hey, they won a trophy. Holy shit, sh- I'm going to start I paying. I don't give it. a shit about WIP. <laughs> I'm not talking about WIP. I, I'm talking but about. That, but, that, but when we talk about the casual four for four like those fans, people, that those is people, what we're talking about. Well, but, but are they? They're kind of like their own special crowd aren't they like the angelo because look you got you got people like you got this cross-section of people now who would call themselves like four for four philadelphia sports fans who might not like soccer but they also hate angelo cataldi and okay fine but then so then so then i'll go call it the fanatic demographic that's yeah that's a good that's a good way to look at it i don't i care more i care more about the soccer fans because the look i've said this to a couple people like existing like like right european and then going back to the union and saying you are failing to get the soccer fans in this region, even with your success. Okay, so you're and it fighting, is because you're, yeah, it is because okay. you. I've said this to Tim McDermott. Mm-hmm. You you need to go into the city. You need to go to Grand Café Lakeel. You need to go to Fado. You need to go to Brauhaus Schmitz. You need to tell them who you are. Work on and those you need to take first. your lumps from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you so you're fighting. Your you're you're looking. Them. You're looking at the most. You you want to pull the soccer, the non MLS soccer fan. Right. In. I'm looking at fighting it on a different front right. here. And you yeah. you need to let them tell you to your face. I do not go to your games because you built your stadium in Chester and it is inaccessible by public transportation. You're fighting the you're fighting the Western Front. I'm fighting the Eastern Front. And here's here. here's so here's another example of why. Okay. I was thinking about. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Everything that happened in Philadelphia sports from 1960 to 2018, I think, was a core of people passing the time until the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Why? Mm. I think the fact that the Eagles won the Super Bowl is one of the biggest reasons why the Phillies' attendance this year was so poor. Because a lot of those people who filled the time when the Eagles weren't winning by going to Phillies games and rooting for the Phillies... Mm Don't actually care. And even then, how many of those people were watching baseball? A lot of them, but it was there's like a, a it was like a thing to do. It was like a thing to do right. to go tailgate and like go to McFadden. But a and lot of those crap, people you know? were Eagles fans who were going to Phillies games. That's true. Not, there That's are true. Phillies fans. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But you know, it's not. It's it's the Eagles fans who go to Phillies games were the one who were the ones who were going to that stadium. And really, what they are in the winter is Flyers fans because the Flyers punch people. <laughs> Don't even, don't even get me started. So, you, see them, you see that mascot? So the difference, the difference. Gritty. The one thing that I think will be a little different, if the Sixers win a championship, mm-hmm. because I think that fan base now yes. is not the core traditional Philadelphia sports fan base. You're taking, and a lot of people can't see that. That's correct. Because they don't pay attention to the kids who come from India and the rest of Asia Who to Philadelphia watching. to study at Wharton or to go to Temple Med School or whatever. They're watching. They don't understand how international the Sixers are more international than they are local for heaven's sake. The, the Union have more in common from a fan base perspective with the Sixers than any other team in town. The with longer the I do college, with the Sixers and the college basketball mm-hmm. and the longer I do the Sixers beat now, I, I see that there's a different, you know, I, I like we just said, you have the Euro, the quote unquote Euro snob who likes soccer, but doesn't watch the union. You have, then you have your traditional four for four soccer blows Angelo Cataldi fan. But now I think there's like a third kind of demo that exists somewhere in between the two of those in terms of reaching them and relating to them. And it's your younger, a uh, Sixers fan who's might be in their 20s or 30s. And they might not under- be from here, by the way. They might not be from here. And that is reflected in the, the Sixers roster, which has a guy from Cameroon, Australia, and Croatia in the starting lineup. And those guys from Australia and Cameroon are some of the most famous players on the planet right. in basketball. So when they, So when we say if the Union go win this trophy – Looking at those three cross sections of the Philly fan base, right? Obviously, Union fans are going to be ecstatic. The MLS fan that you're, or the non MLS soccer fan that you're talking about, their reaction. It's, here's is the what? thing, though. I think they know the Union exists. I think they pay some attention. I think they know they're in a final. They don't go to games. But do they? Are they going to think that? Are they going to still say, "Well, they won a trophy, yay!" But we still watch the Premier League because the quality is are, better. Like are, even if they, they win no, a trophy, but, but it's, they watch the games, but they don't go. But to they them. don't go to the games because it's in Chester. 
Well, that's because, yeah, because, no, I, no, no, I, no, no, sorry. I should not because it's in Chester because it's so damn hard to get to them when you live in Center City and don't well, have a car. Well, that's tr- that's true. Yeah, if I they think those are Villanova two different. Stadium, they'd go because you can take the light rail. Right but you know as well as I do that there's people who go to like Misconduct Tavern at seven on right. a Saturday but if, morning who if, don't who don't if, give a shit one if, way or another. No, but I, I'm going to defend the the I I speak from a little bit of are experience. Are those your here. Arsenal people? The, Am I offending the, the Arsenal the Arsenal Supporters Club? They actually do pay attention to the union. Okay, and they have one or two group outings. But you so know, I just like pick that they, as right, like. But a, they yeah. don't go. Yeah, and they don't go because the stadium is so hard to get to. Now, if they were if they were winning a lot, would they go? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. If they had David Villa with it, maybe. Yeah, but it's it is the original sin of this team, and Tim McDermott has not fully accounted for it because he won't go in there and face the music. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I, I find it interesting that I think that. And I've said this, this to him. So if he's listening, this is not anything new to him. I, I think the the Sixers fan who's younger and understands the international appeal of basketball and soccer is going to be more influenced by an open cup win and more attracted to the union than that demographic of ho- hopeless Catali fans. The anyway, thing, there's no reason the to target thing. them anyway. We don't know how big the union fan base is ultimately. True. And there's another reason why True. we don't know, since we're going meta in a lot of this. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many people haven't bought jerseys because of the sponsor. Well, it's true. We should know in a two years. Two years. Two years. Right. Yeah. If they may, if their first jersey without the Bimbo logo on it is a good one. Yeah. They're gonna sell a lot of them. Yeah. You look at the the you know the Bethlehem throwback stuff that they've done. How about something gambling related? Sold like hotcakes. Isn't that, isn't that the way to go though? With all the money in the gambling space right now, couldn't you get somebody? Uh, to get... I would I would call GlaxoSmithKline. Yeah. I would call SAP in a heartbeat. Yeah, because they know they you know they've got their tentacles. I just think it. of the 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 prevalence of uh, you know the European teams that have like you know eight 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 bet and and stuff like that on the. I would like, well I would, if, it's, I would, if you're going through a thing. I would in the go. US, f- I would I would go for a global company that has a large Philadelphia presence. I thought to me like Bimbo is. Well, that's one. That's that is one, one of them. them. Yeah. It's well, that's why they did it. People always forget that that it is a local, right? Like the and local and when they yeah. when they did it, when they first announced it, as bust it, no mute button on this show. No, see. Um, this is live and and loud. Um, like Oz when they album. did it, they did it right. They had they hung the Union jersey on a display alongside all of the Mexican and Costa Rican and other teams that have that same jersey sponsor. Uh-huh. That's the way you want to do it. Yeah, yeah. This is the family of, uh, you know, and then there's and it's the Club sh- America. The and it's a bunch Saprisa. of other big, you know, it's, but, you know, Club America has had that as the sponsor for had that for, I don't know if they still do. Yeah. But, so, you know, Club, the big Mexican teams are big teams that had it. Oh, I know. I know. So they did that right. And then they just, you know. Well, Club America might be coming to Talon Energy Stadium next year if the Union win the. U.S. Open Cup and qualify for the Champions League. All right, you want to do some questions here? Um, let me see what we got me, here. Before we do, let me say one other thing. Do you have any other things to add? Yeah. Yes. How about how is the NWSL final, by the way? I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. I, want to, I want to throw one other thing at you about one of the reasons why the union are so good. I meant to say this like 10 minutes ago. Okay. The floor is yours. They are so good because Alejandro Padoya is playing really well as an eight. He is. Mr. Kincaid. Oh, come on. You're not. Are we doing revisionist history here? Mr. Kincaid. Has at various times <laughs> said, I do believe, unless Dennis Neves is his burner account. It's not. Oh, uh, it's not. Okay, good. Um, there, there is a caucus. I have a burner account. I forgot the password. There is, a, there is a caucus out there which believes that Alejandro Bedoya should be playing on the right wing for the purpose of getting Derek Jones on the field. Mm-hmm. I am not in that caucus. I believe that Alejandro Bedoya is an eight, starting eight and is very good at it and should play it. Do you? And I think he's been playing it really well. Do you agree with me that both of those guys are pretty good in that position? I do, but I think it's perfectly serviceable like, to have a homegrown be a backup to your deep. I'd have to go listen, go read all the tweets I wrote and all the podcasts that we did this year. But I don't think I ever really said that Ali is not a good number eight. Or no, you just said you'd rather see him eight. on the wing. Well, yeah, so and I, much I about, would rather see him yeah. as the eight. I think I think yeah. it's I think as a philosophy of building a team in MLS. It is perfectly fine to have your homegrown player be your backup to your DP yeah. because there's yeah. enough games that everybody's going to get their minutes. Well, and to Bedoya's credit, too, he he's not doing a lot of what I was critical of earlier in the year, which is like just getting stuck up there on the right anyway. Like him and Dogecoll and Madunian have really 
figured out their positioning right. and like know right. how to work. And that's, that was always going to take though. a little bit of time. Yeah, sure, Dogecall sure, came sure. sure. That's one of the problems that this falls this organization has yeah. had by, in part by virtue of being cheap. They wait, not cheap, but they don't, you know, you guys know what I mean. Yeah, somebody by not go, by not by not going out and doing the deal in December and being done with it. Mm-hmm. You got to wait until you know middle of February, and it's not enough time to integrate the guy. Yeah, I could yeah. see in in late March, early April, Dogecall was playing the passes, mm-hmm. but the guys it was playing them to weren't doing it. Weren't, with yeah, them. that's correct. That's correct. So yeah. now they've got all that figured out, and they're really clicking, which is good. Which I figured yeah. they would anyway, because all three of them are good players. Well, and half of my argument too is predicated on the fact that they needed like offensive help, and I th- I thought I think that Ali's got underrated qualities when he gets forward and he gets around the box. And so at the same time, I was like, okay, you get Derek Jones on the field. And then Bedoya helps out your struggling offense, which can't which can't score a damn goal anyway. So it's not like I, I never, you know, really, I, I never felt like that was like a uh, like a Stephen A. Smith kind of take or anything like that. I just looked at the heat maps and looked at the video I, and stuff I, for like the that. day when like, Stephen A. Smith covers a soccer game. <laughs> my goodness, I I, ran, I once uh, this was some years ago. He did the pen relays once, and it was the strangest <laughs> thing to see him come walking into press row at that. He's a tall dude. He is. I don't think people realize that. He's like 6'3". He played basketball at one of the CIAA schools, I think. I think so, yeah. I bumped into him a couple times in the last couple of years. I want to say it was Winston-Salem State. Yeah. Uh-oh. I think he showed up. Yeah. Breaking news while we're on the podcast. No, this is good. Philadelphia Union playoff tickets are now on sale. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. What a world we're living in right now. Philadelphia Union playoff ticket. Holy shit, man. That's Well, that's not a jinx either, man, because there's no – I mean, they're going to get in. You know, they're at 46 now. What's what's uh, DC at? They can't catch them, right? They would have I think to they're going to get in. It's just a question of whether we're going to have, have a bomb. home game. Uh, well, let's see here. Stephen oh, A. Smith, man. while we're here. Hmm. Came, I think I – yeah, Winston-Salem State. I thought that's what it was. Okay, you asked me about the NWSL title game. Speaking of things in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, well, this was in Portland, but North Carolina yes. was involved. Uh, I went out there, as folks know. I covered the weekend for Pro Soccer USA. Uh, got to write some really neat stories along the way. Got to see a lot of folks who I knew, both in terms of media and folks who work at the two teams. The, the Timbers slash Thorns are such a well-run organization, and they have a, really, a lot of really good people in there who mm-hmm. do great jobs a lot of things. Correct. And the same as I think can be said of North Carolina FC and the courage. Steve Malik, their owner, is really smart and passionate. Has put his money where his mouth is. Kurt Johnson, the GM, has made a lot of good deals. And the courage have as their manager, Paul Riley, who was the manager of the Independents back in the day um, and assembled Did a good and job. produced this year, I think, mm-hmm. the best professional women's club team in this era of American soccer yeah. that dates back to when the WUSA started in, in, the, you know, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, they won the regular season title with the most points, the most wins, the most goals scored, the fewest losses, and the least goals conceded. And then they won the playoffs. Not only won the playoffs, but they beat Portland in Portland without McCall Zerboni, their starting defensive midfielder, who's an essential player for them and has played very well for the national team this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also in the summer won the International Champions Cup, which in some ways was a glorified friendly, but they... You know, they beat Leon, which is the best club team in the world. And they beat Leon at full strength. Leon was at full strength. The Courage yeah. were not because yeah. it was during the tournament of nations and they didn't have their U.S. national team players and, and Dabinia, who's Brazilian, who was in that tournament. But they beat Leon. And that helped. That I was talking to Heather O'Reilly, who plays the Courage. Folks know her. She played for the U.S. national team for a long time. She's from New Brunswick originally, now makes her home in North Carolina. She went to UNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, for college and has had roots down there for a long time. And she said, yeah, that helped us. You know, said, we can play with Leon. We can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. And they've got some other good players. Crystal Dunn, who folks know about Sam Mewis, who is a regular for the U S women's team uh, and is going to become ever more of a regular. She is uh, much, I think in the mold of Bedoya, but with a little more offense to her game, mm-hmm. a really complete central midfielder a great passer a great she'll shoot the ball from 20 yards she's really great at at the long range shot that you don't always see in the women's game that was you know that was carly lloyd's big forte true and her biggest asset and us brings some of that too and obviously she can play some tenacious defense and she pairs very well with julie Ertz in the deeper part of the midfield and then lets the 
the players in front of them who are, you know, these incredible attacking players for the U.S. women go and, mm-hmm. and do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul Riley, um, he had a couple good independence teams here too. Um, they made the final in both of the years of their existence. Yeah, four losses. How, has any other Philadelphia year. team ever said that? No, they had some good players on that team too. Leanne Sanderson, Amy, Amy Rodriguez. Rodriguez, Frida Magnus Dottier. Yep, yeah, the um, the DiMartino twins yep. were were pretty good on that team. And yeah, I, saw, I think people forget because they were only here for such a short amount of time. I think people forget like that they were actually and, pretty and, pretty and damn good. Riley, you know, Riley back then would, you know, he didn't have the stars. He didn't have Abby Wambach. He didn't have Megan Rapinoe, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Didn't have Carly Lloyd. Yeah, but he built this. You know, he built an underdog team, mm-hmm. and he loves he. <laughs> the guy loves to play. I, he's one of my favorite people in the sport. <laughs> he is a great, but he is. Some people get rubbed the wrong way because he's a showman at the microphone. He talks a lot. Well, there's nothing. He talks a lot about how he sort of plays the underdog card Mm -hmm. all the time. All he played it. He played it with the independents when he had legitimate reasons to play it going up against. Sure. You know, Marta and Abby Wambach and so on in championship games. That's right. Um, He played it. He's played it with. He played it with the Western New York Flash when they beat the Thorns in the semifinal in Portland in 2016. And then he won his first championship by beating Washington in the final. He played it last year when they played Portland in the final as the courage, you know, the courage, the flash were relocated out of Western New York when the NWSL forced them to sell because yeah. their infrastructure was not what it needed to be in a lot of ways. And the standards were going up. Um, played it last year after they won the shield because, you know, Portland had Tobin Heath and Lindsay Horan and Christine Sinclair and Amandine Henri. They had the stars. Yeah, and they ended up the, the the Thorns won the title game last year, and then this year. He knew that he had to go out and get a little bit, you know, something extra on top. So he got Crystal Dunn come home from Chelsea. He got Heather O'Reilly after she came home from Arsenal, and that was just a little something. And and you saw it if you go watch. I don't know how many of your listeners watch the game. But go watch the highlights online. They're on the NWSL's YouTube channel. Watch the first goal. Crystal Dunn plays a ball over the top that yeah, splits that. the Portland back line like the Red Sea. <laughs> and yeah. then Lynn Williams put Ellie Carpenter on a swivel and they went, you know, down the field and scored the first goal. Dunn's such a great player and brought that little something. Oh, more news while we're on the phone. Wow, what a podcast. Carl Robinson is. has been fired. Well, I think we saw In that Vancouver. coming. We saw we? that coming. I think it was... uh, Carl Robinson has been fired. I think that was probably, I think people thought that should have happened sooner yeah based on what the white caps well, are doing or not doing i guess you right. know they always have potential but it's always all right well, let's do some uh, let's do some questions here and we'll wrap her up uh alex armstrong are we gonna get a podcast from a truck on the drive to the game like the toronto playoff game <laughs> nah because i'm not going uh although that was an interesting yeah there's a little trivia for the podcast uh historians um the reason there's no episode seven on SoundCloud is because it was the one I did in my truck. I didn't think I, I didn't like upload it because it was like what, people are not going to go back and listen to me talking to myself in a truck anyway. So, um, let's see here. Justin is beating the two teams we lost to in the Open Cup Finals a good omen for Wednesday. I don't know. It feels like a bad omen to me because it's like I don't care I, about just, omens. Sorry. I know you don't, but <laughs> it's just like. I ain't superstitious like that one song said back in the day, but it just seems, if, if nothing else, it's like, you know, now they're due for a letdown, right? Isn't that how the pattern goes? Uh, Big Mac says, fang or gritty? Discuss. Yeah, I never really gritty got Gritty is here. the greatest thing to happen to the union this year. <laughs> so I take it, it fang that you're completely not a, off the hook. Because you're not a Fang fan. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, I, I said my piece on, on Fang, you know, the last podcast, but... With gritty too, I don't get, I don't, you know, like we said, it's just mascot. If the if your kid, if you take your kid to the game and he wants to get a picture with Fang or gritty, whatever. I know people say it takes away from the authentic and like organic nature of the experience, which I think Union fans and Flyers fans are kind of like in the same regard. There, like some fake Delco tough guy saying like, we don't need a fresh perspective. You know, it's about mucking and grinding and blue collar and. Radko Gudis is going to punch some guy's lights out. Yeah, we're all going to cheer. We're going to drink $14 Miller lights. Like, okay, so whatever. You have a mascot, the kids like it, whatever. The Flyers can still be just as mediocre, even with a mascot. Um, Reese says, do we see the Polish striker play before the end of the regular season? And what are the chances Dojkal sticks around next year uh, when you got Fontana and Aronson continuing to move upward? 
do you see yeah what what do we what's the Polish striker doing for the rest of the year Prij Bilko is that how you say okay gotta work on my Polish do we see him on the field this year maybe and what is the price tag for Doge call next year do they use say they win the US Open Cup they need a uh, an expanded roster or not an expanded roster but a deeper roster of the Champions League do you use the bonus money you get towards a a permanent transfer fee for Doge call well here's the thing what even is that I don't even know what it is The Chinese club that he was taken, you know, they got him on loan from. That Chinese, the financing of things in the Chinese league is a weird It's funky. Beast. Yeah, it's funky. So I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know if the Chinese club is going to want him back. I, uh, I have no idea. I can't imagine he would ever go back. And so I think right. what it just turns into is a hardball situation where the Chinese club will just – Eventually if they're even paying give, attention, I have no idea. Yeah, maybe they don't even care anymore. Maybe they got another number. To, maybe they go out and buy a, a, another Brazilian Whatever. who just wants a paycheck and to go to China, you know. But it, I, if they're smart, they'll try to squeeze the union for what they can get. But, um, you know, what I, what I... What is the bonus money these days for winning the Open Cup? Do we I, know? Well, I don't know. Cause but lose, it's not... Losing it, they got a... Uh, I would just say, look, is it... Is it 200... If if the trans if they can get if they can get a million dollar transfer fee yeah if it's five yeah. million dollars no let Ernst Tanner go find somebody else I mean that yeah you just can't yeah don't I you know you when you have Brendan Aronson Anthony Fontana and Ernst Tanner's ability to go find somebody then I like Boric a lot but I he's not a five million dollar transfer fee player no he's not but then say you don't spend that money on bringing him in on a permanent transfer, who's your number 10 next year? Then er, that's part Ernst of why Tanner Ernst Tanner go. is here. So then do you, with Jay Simpson coming off the books, do you look for a striker now moving I forward? Do. I mean, I, I would no yeah. matter what. Yeah. I think I Corey would, Burke's really too. good, but yeah. I think, I think, I think they, if the, there is an incumbency on Jay Sugarman now having brought Ernst Tanner in mm-hmm. and, with Richard Leibovich in the fold, and I don't think it's any secret that he wants to put a little money in the pot. Richie Graham wants to put a little money in the pot. You know, every year they've gone out and gotten either a striker or a number 10. It's time to go out and get both. Did Simpson uh, earn a spot on the bench for the Open Cup game? Maybe. Um, uh, maybe, but let me, okay, so let me describe. Seven players. So, okay, you're going to have. McCarthy. McCarthy. A center back. McKenzie. McKenzie might play because Elliott's an international. So let me go over the internationals again here. So the starting line, I'm just going to write this down from the, the uh, we, I did this with Matt DeGeorge yesterday. The internationals are Madunian and Dochkal. Mm-hmm. Burke. Burke doesn't have his green card Elliot. yet. No. Okay. So Elliot. Elliot. Dochkal, Madunian. Look it up. Uh, um, Ali Simpson. is good. Simpson would be an international. So I, I Casper's just, international. So let me see. Burke. Um, Is that seven? Pico, no. No, Pico's American. Bedoya, no. Here. Uh, Rosenberry, here. no. I got it here. I think they're good, right? I don't think they really have a lot of concern in that department. The internationals are Doge Call, Elliot, mm-hmm. and Baizo, oh. who's not going, but still. Yeah. Uh, Madunyanin, uh, Chibilko, Simpson, oh. and that's it. Okay, so, so you could put Simpson on the bench because you only—that's only five total. So who's who's and who's who's going to start? So it's Elliot. Who, who's, let's do the starters first. Okay, Lake. back to front. Out of paper, a, there. Let I me think. get a new. I know. I have. I have. I wrote down every single play from the Eagles game. Under center run, shotgun pass. Under center run. Imagine enjoying a football game and you have to write all that shit down. Imagine too. enjoying a football game. <laughs> I'm talking to the wrong person about that, as you know. Blake. Yeah. Gaddis. Uh, McKenzie probably. McKenzie, Elliot's gonna start. Jack Elliott's gonna start. Who play- oh yeah, you're right. Elliot's gonna start because yeah. McKenzie played. Uh, Trusty. Trusty. Rosenberry. Rosenberry. Medunian. Okay. Bedoya. Uh, Dogecal. Pico. Sapong. Sapong. Burke. And Burke. Of which, 
Burke is international. Okay. Doge Cal is international. Medina. Elliot is international. It's three. You get five. Remember, in right. an open cup game. Right. Elliot is international. Uh Right, so then your bench is McCarthy, McCarthy, McKenzie, Craval, Craval, Jones, Jones probably, Acom, Acom's five. Is Ilsenio yes. healthy? Yes, Ilsenio's healthy. He goes, I think. Okay, so then it basically comes down to Ilsenio or Jay Simpson, right? No, it's six, right? That's six. So if so you you Simpson, can't take both Simpson, of them, Herbers or, or, or Shibble, Simpson or Herbers. Oh, well, I don't know what Ilsenio's status is, but if it was up to me, I'd take Ilsenio and Herbers. But if he can't go, it's going to have to be Simpson and, and Herbers, you know? Probably right. Unless I don't know who else Unless Fontana's in the mix, but I think if Jones is in the mix, then Fontana isn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So we've got the starting lineup of Blake, Gaddis, Elliott, Trusty, Rosenberry, Madunian and Bedoya, Sapong, Doshkal, Pico, Burke, and on the bench, John McCarthy, Mackenzie, Craval, Jones, Akam, and two of the three of Simpson, Elsino, and Herbers. I think it's Elsino, and I think Simpson versus Herbers. Well, but that's what I'm saying. But does Elsino have his green card? Elsino does have his green card, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay, he's been here long enough that I think he has his green card. So you can can do Elsino and Simpson there. I think you can do that. I, I thought I read somewhere that he had his correct. Ilsenio is Ilsenio is not international. Okay, so you could uh, go with you could go Ilsenio and Simpson because you have a com to come play on the wing. And if you go oh. Herbers, or even if you go Fontana, mm-hmm. I think you can throw a com at striker for half an hour. That's true. Just let him That's run. True. Well, and CJ can go play striker too. You know, I right. mean, they could if Burke gets tired in the seventy fifth minute, and it looks like they're going to extra time. CJ can come play striker, and you could bring Elsino in to run it. Run it. Houston, Houston's going to bunker. You know. Yeah, their defense is not is not their strength. I mean, they're they're. I'll get this later. Honestly, I think what this is going to come down to is this is a this is a a a Ray Gaddis and Keegan Rosenberry game, you know, because that's where Houston's threatening is in the wide areas. You know, Um, Gaddis, Keegan, you know matching up with Kyoto and Elise. I'm not worried about Houston's fullbacks. You know, I'm not really worried about their midfield that much. I think the Union have the better defense and better midfield, but I would take Houston's Elise, attack yeah, attacking Elise pieces. Kyoto, yeah. yeah. I would but take their attacking pieces. Is of course. is is Andrew Wenger gonna score the US Open Cup winning goal <laughs> against the Philadelphia <laughs> Union? I think a lot of us can see it coming. Yeah. Um let's see if I got anything else worth talking about in here. Um Graham says, how does Ernie's legacy look now that Doge Call leads the league in assists and Jay Simpson think, is a goal scoring machine? I don't think Doge is Ernie's legacy. I think the academy guys are Ernie's legacy. Oh, well, of course it is, but it doesn't – I mean, it obviously helps. It doesn't helps, hurt, you know, but it doesn't now, change – Doge Call's yeah. success does not yeah. change my opinion of Ernie. Yeah, that's a fair way to look at it. Um, uh, let me see what else we got here. Um, has the Republic Star Services trash truck been our good luck charm? Yeah, yeah I mean – <laughs> Okay, so if Andrew Wenger is the karma in one direction, which West Virginia player is going to have the biggest game in the Open Cup final? I can't believe there's a pair of them that are going to be stuck. Marlon LeBlanc is probably uh, very, very happy uh, going into this game. Um, Thoughts on um, Mbaiso's debut? Fine. Pretty good job. Fine, sure. Yeah, Yeah, I thought he played fine. It was interesting because I was looking, I was trying to do that lineup the other day. I'm like, who the hell else do they have to play right back? Well, I guess it's got to be him, you know? But. yeah, because when you're when you're starting left back, is also your backup right back. You don't really have Fine. many other options. You Fine. Know, so. um, Alex has any concern about Trusty? I mean, we kind of talked about that. Um, I think he's healthy, but anybody can be super healthy. You get to a hundred minutes. He's, he's going to play. Different. He plays. He plays this game. Doesn't play against Columbus. Then gets two weeks off. So he's got two and a half weeks off. Sure, this. sure. Um, Taylor says, do you think anybody made a case of themselves in the Kansas City game to get more time? I mean, I've always beat the Derek Jones drum, but I think that was mostly that was what it, that situation was what it was. I mean, McKenzie's known. Yeah, Simpson played well. You know, good for him. He got my Player of the Week vote. I think he might have gotten Matt George's Player of the Week vote too. Did the Union have a realistic chance of winning MLS Cup? No, no. Um, Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, have you a nice know, eventually you're going to run into Atlanta or Red Bull or, you know. 
KC in a, in a game that matters. Um, MK, let's end it on this one. Um, MK27, 6-1-1 one one since Tanner was hired and the U.S. Open Cup semifinal win the day before it was formally announced. Does Curtin's job come down to the U.S. Open Cup final and or a respectable playoff run, or might we have a, a Mike Petke situation where Tanner will bring in his guy no matter what happens? My theory – so I asked Jay Sugarman and Richie Graham when Ernie left, is the new guy going to get to hire his own guy? Yes, unequivocal. Jay said – might not be the smartest idea in the history world to fire Jim in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I'm, I have no problem with that. Let them play the year out, see what they do. My theory was if they win the Open Cup final and make the playoffs, he would stay. You can't. You don't want to blow that locker room up necessarily yeah, by firing yeah. a coach who, who they all like. And I've said for a long time, give him players and see what he can do. Well, and you've stuck with Jim to this point already to that if you get it to the point where he gets 15 right. 16 wins and a trophy then you're going to pull the right. play. Like, if they I, if they I, if they if know. they if they lose the open cup final and then collapse maybe yeah yeah but yeah. that was my going theory for a while but you can't the but thing if is they like, if they if they finish if they lose the open cup final and finish fourth in the east i don't think you can fire so what do you give you, you give him like two years with a third year option and then like just cut ties next year if it's not going well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's I don't think they're He's paying not the Jim, most expensive Jim a ton of money. Anyway, I think I so think Ernst like, likes him. And look, I think Ernst's job is to go out and get get players, keep the academy strong, and then go out and mm-hmm. use these connections that he has, which mm-hmm. is a little bit. Ernie Stewart's remit wasn't quite as bluntly to go out and find these guys as yeah. Ernst's is. Right, because he's now building upon the structure and the foundation that Ernie put in place. But I, 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 I Yes, but I think they've also turned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they've seen, whether it's, uh, you know, Nabi Keita is obviously one of the, <laughs> yeah. one of the famous ones. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He had Joe Zhao. He had Bobby Wood. He's worked with American players before in his jobs in Germany. Some good players are on those transfer market lists, that's for sure. So mm-hmm. his job is to go and get the next Diego Valeri, maybe. Mm-hmm. The next Joseph Martinez might be stretching it a little bit. Ezekiel Barco might be stretching it a little bit. But the next Adam Diamante, I don't know. The next... Mm-hmm. Um, Porta is the guy who's Colombian who's from LAFC. Mm-hmm. Go yeah, find... Gordo. Or is he Portuguese? I can't remember. The next Pedro Morales is another one. Yeah. Somebody, who is that? Uh, Ed Farnsworth knocking on your door? No, uh, it's the mailman. Okay. okay, I'll get it after. Should we ask the mailman yeah. if the Union are going to yeah. win the Open Cup final? Hey, can you leave that on the step? Live radio, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. Yeah. I'll be down in a sec. Okay, thanks, man. Live, Live radio. radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, before I, uh, before anybody comes and steals that package, uh, last word, John Tannenwald. Uh, uh, that's my last word. <laughs> yeah, last, that, yeah, you, you get the last word. Uh, look, I, I have believed in the value of the Open Cup for a very long time since well before the union existed, you know, back when I was growing up in DC, following DC United, starting to learn about the history of the tournament. Mm-hmm. It is special. And it is something that is particularly special in Philadelphia and in Eastern Pennsylvania, because so much of the tournament's history has come through here. And I hope that people value that. If you're going to say that this is a city that values its sports history, we should value that. I hope people do. Well said, Baxter. Your thoughts? Woof. He's smelling it. He's thinking about it. Baxter has no thoughts, and I kind of agree with him. Let's play the damn game. Yes. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. John, thanks for coming up, man. My pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll do this like once a year. We'll get you up to Fishtown. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. Let's play the damn game, and maybe the next time we talk to you, Philadelphia Union will be U.S. Open Cup champions, or maybe not. We shall see. Thanks, everybody.